Hello and welcome back to Moonbeaming. I'm so glad you're here. Happy solstice. There is a palpable change in the air. The moon is like waxing crescenty. We had a new moon about a week ago, a little less, and it's solstice. And I decided that I was going to do a reading for Solstice. First, I was going to only make it available to my patrons, but then I also thought it would make sense to offer it up to everyone. So patrons, I love you. Thank you. You are receiving this early. You're receiving it something like three to five days before everyone else. And you also then know about what's going on this weekend. This weekend on the 16th, I'm going to be at the Philosophical Research Society doing my first in-person workshop in a gazillion years. So if you want to sign up for that, I'll see you there. It's going to be about archetypes. I feel really good about it. We also have patrons. We have our grief circle on Sunday morning Pacific time. It'll be about one hour of leaning into grief, doing some journaling, doing some moving of emotions to make peace with this year, to acknowledge what didn't happen, what we wanted to happen, what we're upset about, and then try to transform it through ritual together. So I'll see a lot of you there, patrons. And probably also on Sunday, there is a live LA special event. As of today, it's probably on, but we're just waiting for one more piece of confirmation. I record these far in advance so as to save myself, my editor, headache. So I'm just letting you know it's November still as I record this. So I'm not quite sure, but if you are on our newsletter list or you are a patron, you know about it. We've let you know about it by now. Sorry to be cryptic, but that's where you can also just find out. You always want to be subscribed to any creator's newsletter because that's how they can reach you and give you all the links and all the codes and all of that jazz. So the link to the newsletter is in the show notes, and I'll put the link to the Saturday event in LA in the show notes. And if there's a Sunday live LA event, I will also put that in the show notes. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be one of the cooler events I've done this year, and I've done a lot of cool online events this year, but I'm just excited mostly because it's in person. You know, I haven't done really any, mostly because of COVID. I've spoken really frankly about getting long COVID and how it's changed my life dramatically. So I've been very, very precautious and I continue to be precautious. And I request that those who are attending my live events take suitable precautions, including staying home if you feel sick, and also including taking a COVID test the day before you're going to go to an in-person. That's what I do. I know it might seem like a lot for folks at this time, 
but just this week, two people I know have COVID. So it's still very much there. And for those of us who are immune compromised, for those of us who are sick, for those of us who are disabled, who have been disabled from COVID, you are taking care of us when you do this. And you're taking care of you and your future self and your beloveds and their beloveds and their beloveds future self and all of that. So it's a simple thing you can do to continue to create community care that is not very inconvenient against what not doing it might create. Okay. So what are we doing this episode? I'm going to be giving a live reading for Solstice to help center us to see what spirit and the cards want to say about what's going on with us internally and externally at this time. And also just to use it as an anchor, a guidepost, I always like to check in around these magical holidays because I find them to have some of the more charged energy. There is a reason for the season. There is a reason why spiritualists and witches use these holidays as powerful times to look up, go within, set intentions, recenter. And this is what I'm really hoping this reading will be for all of us. This has been a hard and rough year for a lot of people. And the biggest message I've been getting as of late via my intuition, via my guides, however, whatever you want to call my channel, is we really can't take the baggage and the accumulation of the past few years or the past decade or our past lifetime into 2024. If there's anything you remember from this episode, from this reading for you, it is that. And it is, I really hope at this time you start to think about what that looks like for you practically somatically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and really taking that seriously. Because again, the messages I've received about 2024 are that it is going to be hard. I don't ever sugarcoat anything for anyone. It's going to be a different kind of hard. And there are going to be different kinds of opportunities. New opportunities came up this year for a lot of people and there's going to be continued opportunities next year, but we really have to compost the lessons, learn the lessons of this year. We really have to integrate and apply them to how we live, how we run our energy, how we communicate, how we are with ourselves, one another in the world, and it has to be different. And they're saying that a lot of people unconsciously or consciously begin to tense up when I talk about change or changing things or being different. And so I invite you to right now as I continue to shuffle for one more moment and I continue to tune in to soften your jaw 
to soften your belly, to take a couple of deep breaths. And what the guides are saying to me, they've they've come through, they're here, (laughs) I'm ready. What the guides are saying is, even if you just do a little teeny change every day, it adds up. They're saying even if you drink half a glass more of water a day, they're saying even if you go to bed 10 minutes earlier, even if you stop watching TV 30 minutes less, what you know, that's what we're at. If you do that every day or every week, you increase or decrease in 3 or 4 months, things will start to look a lot different and a lot will add up. And they're also saying, wow, they're yeah, they just this could be a whole psychic reading, but I'm going to let the cards help too. They're kind of giving some tough love and it's to me too. They're saying, "Come on. You know what you want more of. You know what you want to be doing." They're also saying, "You know how you dragged your feet or refused to learn your lesson or where you were stubborn." this year. And they're saying, come on, sweetie, it could be easier. They're saying, it's not that we're going to do the opposite of what we did last year, but we're going to get really honest with ourselves and get clear about what we did that wasn't helping us, what habits, what patterns. They're also saying like what defenses and what habits and behaviors that we do often that are actually defenses and we don't see them as such, like not going out to meet new people. They're saying that is defensive because it's about being afraid to show up or get hurt or being afraid to be in discomfort or to be rejected. That's what they're talking about. It's as much as what we're not doing by way of trying to avoid certain things or put off certain things as it is things that we are doing as well. So they're like, hey, this is the time to be honest. Being honest doesn't mean we apply shame or cruelty to ourselves. Being honest is just like, oh, okay, yeah, mm -hmm, maybe not do this thing, you know? Okay, I'm ready to look at the tarot cards. So the first question on that note, continuing this like resolution, this segueing theme. The question is, how can we resolve this year? We know a lot of us cannot afford to take certain patterns and certain baggage that has accumulated this year into the next. So how can we make this resolution within ourselves? This is a very interesting card. We got the Queen of Cups for this answer. And in the card I have in the deck I have, it is a queen and she's spilling all this water out of a cup. I immediately thought of emotional release. I immediately thought of feeling our feelings all the way through, letting ourselves emote and cry. I also often think of the image of the pearl when I think of Queen of Cups. That is like the number one metaphor in my own practice that I come back to around this archetype. And it is about making beauty out of hardship. I don't want to be 
like toxic positivity. What I'm getting at is thinking about what we went through, what made us who we are, and taking the elements of it that can create more beauty, more art, more integrity, more wisdom for ourselves and for our world. Sometimes, even with the pearl metaphor, I think about it's as much of a reminder of what we don't want as much as what we do want. So really thinking about how we can transform certain ways, they're also saying like ways we've reacted to ourselves, how we've been hard on ourselves, how we've been cruel on ourselves. We don't need any of that cruelty. I also think of the wisdom teaching that we don't shame ourselves into more healthy behavior. We have to love ourselves into more healthy behavior. And the Queen of Cups, as we know, is in a way the Queen of Love, the Queen of Self-Love, the Queen of Intuition. She's not afraid to go deep. She's not afraid to go there. If there's one queen that would be associated with the moon or nighttime or the shadow or the underworld, it can be her. She also gives shape-shifting vibes to me as well. So take any of those evocative suggestions. Think about maybe really going there. Think about what messages you are getting from dreams or subconscious or divination or the night sky or the moon. And think about really where it is time to shapeshift in a way that is delightful meaningful and has a kind of emotional charge for you, not for anyone else, for how you want to feel and for what you want to look at and be around and create. You know, I think that the Queen of Cups is telling us to listen to our intuition, to let out any emotions that have been associated with whatever the pattern is that we're trying to change or unravel. We have to remember that if something's gotten in there good, it is probably from childhood and that reparenting techniques, loving the inner child, loving on the inner teen, seeing where we can follow that thread all the way back, the pattern to the thread, and resolving that there. That's what actually I'm thinking is probably the final message of this card as I'm working my way through it, is healing these things at the root, tracing all the way back to the inception, and then turning it into this pearl, letting go some of the attachments and the emotions that we may have around that, introducing love, introducing shape-shifting, like being with ourselves in a different way, and then moving on. Oh, yes. I'm saying this because I just pulled the next card. The question is, what is the energy 
we can use to make the most of this shift, this reflection setting time, this intention setting time, whatever rituals we're planning on doing, or they want me to remind you, or just plain old life. And I said, yes, because we got the king of fire. And I was really grateful to see the king of fire, this master of life and life force. This reminds me of this time in my life. So for three years, I wrote two books a year and I self-published them. In classic like ADHD fashion, it sounded like no biggie. It sounded fine at the time of the idea. In a lot of ways, I've talked about this in the past. I was told to do this thing in this way for this long. Well, in reality, it's a lot. It's a lot to do that, right? So I'm no, who's that romance writer who writes like 17 books a year? She doesn't sleep. Danielle Steele, maybe. I'm no Danielle Steele, folks. Like I am not that writer. So moving right along, I think the last like year and a half of it, about halfway through, I talk about this in the moon book too, when we're in the middle of a process or a phase that's the messy middle and it's often where we want to give up we're tired we've pushed off from the dock so we can't like go back but we maybe can't see the shore so we're in this and we're just like are we doggy paddling are we floating are we sinking like what are we going to do here so i tuned into my guides for guidance because that's what guides do and they gave me really specific guidance on how to write long story long for the very last many moons. I said, how am I going to do this? Because you have to remember, I'm writing these books in about a month and a half or two months because two are coming out a year. It's a lot. For the last one, they said, just live life. Like just live life. And everything you need to write will show up. And I would bring a journal. I would go to a lecture. This is pre-2020. I'd go to a lecture. I'd go to a museum. I'd go to the park. I'd meet up with a friend for coffee. And inevitably, something would happen. Something someone said in the lecture would spark me, and I would just be furiously writing in my journal or in my notes app. I'd have a dialogue with a friend. And something really fascinating would come up that would spur me to want to just sit down and write, you know, the entry that I needed to write. When I turned up for life, life turned up for me. And I wrote the book really easily. This story that I'm sharing to me is this energy of King of Fire. Life supports life, showing up to life to what brings us energy and vitality, closing up to it and leading it in our daily, in our interactions, how we are with ourselves. However, that is going to work for you. Obviously, let's get really literal and talk about using fire, a bonfire or a lot of candles. Use fire magic, particularly I'm getting the message that a lot of people simply 
want to reconnect with their life force, with that which makes them feel hungry to be alive, excited to be alive. This is the other thing next year. We can't solely only be grateful to be alive. We have to feel excited about our life, excited about life. We have to feel invested in life for ourselves, for our beloveds, and for the planet, for our more than human friends and kin, for plant life, for the herbs, for the trees, for the animals, for the soil, for the air, for the water, for everything. And when you're excited about life and you have energy and you're tapped into life force, then it's easy to do harder things. It's easier to be brave. It's easier to have courage. So now we really want to gather our life force. And yes, I'm all for rest. If that's what your intuition is telling you to do, it's also looking like at this time, movement or taking action, doing something exciting, hard, edgy, interesting, not dangerous, obviously. I'm like, want to give my fire disclaimer, right? Don't like, please never leave a bonfire or burning candle unattended and don't do anything that's going to put yourself in danger, but something that's just going to make you feel alive. This is a message from the King of Fire. Also, as I'm looking at the two cards together, just to end this question, bringing in that life and that light into this resolution work, into this emotion stuff. Sometimes we let go and we move on and we find resolution, not by ruminating over something, not by going deep in it, but by doing something else that's interesting and exciting to us. So I know a lot of people have a lot of obligations at this time. I'm really suggesting you fold things that you enjoy and want to do in addition to obligations that you have. What's our, oh my God, again, spirit doesn't lie. So the question is, What is our number one block either around our intentions that we're going to be working on, our thought process, you know, anything we're trying to do around this time? And when I say this time, I mean, it's starting at the solstice and it goes throughout the winter until about March. What do we have here? Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm just kidding. We have the chariot. This is the card that showed up. We have the chariot. So I'm really reading this as last year, 2023. Like we want to move on, but 2023 unfinished business, conversations we didn't have, things we didn't get moving on, again, baggage, shadow stuff we accumulated, that is going to keep coming up. So One, expect it. Don't try to avoid it or override it. Try to be with it. That's number one. And D, 
deal with it. Deal with the things you have to deal with, whether it's really boring paperwork, whether it's really boring structural things, whether it's something you have to call or leave, figuring out an exit plan, moving away, whatever it is. Like if you go back to some of your New Year's intentions or some of the things you wanted to experience for 2023, and they haven't yet transpired or come to fruition, and you haven't really truly worked on them, it's okay to bring those into the new year. But it's also really important, I'm like seeing and I'm hearing, to do that final shedding, do that final goodbye at this time. So again, remember old patterns, stuff's going to flare up, shadow stuff from before, from 2023 is going to come up and we have to deal with a lot of these things and move through some of these things until we can get a more open road. I also think it would behoove you to revisit some of the main teachings of the chariot. I know in my chariot year workshop, I shared a bunch of wisdom teachings from the chariot. You can go back and revisit those, but you can also just try to use the chariot for good. You know, the chari- like archetypes are neither bad nor good. So thinking about the more positive traits of the chariot that maybe you didn't put all the way into practice, like a silly putty relationship or a closet that's half cleaned out, but not the full way. I'm using this as a metaphor, or it might be real. You know, these are the kinds of things that are going to come up that we're going to want to address so we can begin to experience things in a way that feels fresher and different for us. Oh my goodness. What pursuits are helpful to highlight at this time? What should we be doing, like literally doing now and for maybe the first couple months of the year? Interestingly enough, I got the nine of swords. So in the traditional Pamela Coleman Smith rendition of this card, we have someone who's crying in bed. It looks like they have a nightmare. They've been woken up from a bad dream. Something's going on. The deck that I'm using for this reading, part of why I really love this deck, it's a surrealist deck that I really adore. And I'm going to read it in this deck's language. And we actually have here the nine of winds in this deck. So it's like just all air. The artist has made it all be the elements. Another thing I really like about this deck, as you know, I teach the minors and some of the majors through the lens of the elements. So we have this nine of air and the picture that you can't see, but I'm looking at is of a woman who has these beautiful fairy wings and she's flying through the night and she's looking behind her. And this really changed my interpretation of the nine of swords, moving it fully into air, fully into breath and thinking about nine as being this number of maturation, of ripeness, of things coming to some sort of culmination is great. 
And this is also how I think we often could think of the minors and numerology in the tarot. And what I'm talking about is when we go from ace to 10, we can think about it as going from seed to oak tree. And once we get to like eight, nine, 10, we're in this real culmination. Now, the teacher in me is going to go off road. For those of you who are newer or don't know tarot theory, but in a lot of the more traditional decks, the wands and the swords, as you go up, kind of get worse. <laughs> they kind of get worse at numbers like seven through 10. They don't get better. And pentacles and cups, earth and water kind of get better. And the reason for this is because of the qualities of the elements and how the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn was working with all of these, not to mention the astrological connotations they factored in. Sorry, it's my brain. It just works this way. I apologize. The more projective elements as they accumulate can often become more destructive. Like air can be a hurricane or like too much mental chatter can really not be good for our anxiety or for our mental health, right? So that's some of the reasoning. Well, this deck, working with this deck and looking at it solely through numerology plus the element gives us just maturation in general, some kind of mastery, some kind of taking flight. So what pursuits are helpful to do? What should we be doing now? We should be doing things absolutely for our mental health. We should be doing things for soul retrieval and like coming back to ourselves. So like devotional chanting, devotional calling back of our energy going through. I, I think about this first queen of cups and this reparenting message that's coming up here reparenting ourselves and one another and how it can be linked to the nine of swords in terms of calling back that really precious you when you were 17, that you who was so excited about life or that you when you were nine and you loved to dance and bringing back that mindset, that excitement with the maturation with the wisdom of a nine, of a culmination, of this wisdom or ripening that you have now had. A question I have, content warning, I'm just going to mention trauma. A question I often have when I'm doing my own deep work, subconscious stuff, I ask myself, who would I be without trauma? If trauma wasn't here, you know, relational or the symptoms of trauma or anxiety, what would I do? How would I be? Who would I be? And I visit that place. And so I think nine of swords of like what pursuits are helpful, things that support 
your neuro pathway reprogramming. I talked about this a lot in the chariot year workshop. I talked about the chariot as a metaphor for new pathways. And obviously new pathways have to also take place in our brain in order for us to change patterns and in order for us to heal. And so I said like neuroscience was going to be really big this year. It's going to continue to be big. Of course, we're going to see it evolving in other ways that I'll talk about in other places. But this is time for you to get on things that will help you meditate, journal, get more in your prefrontal cortex. This is why I created many moons, journaling, centering, noticing, spatial reorienting, you know, all of these things we can do to tone our vagus nerve and to feel calmer in our bodies and to think in different ways. Again, they want me to say it again, soul retrievals, calling back energy, calling back old dreams, and really understanding what is yours and what is not yours. That's also a major, major message of the Nine of Swords is are your problems problems? Are they your emotions or feelings about what's happening? Or are they projections or problems that other people are putting on you? You know, and sometimes you just do have to acknowledge it, know that, stay in your center, stay in your energetic bubble, and move on. Okay, last card. What's the reminder from spirit? What does spirit want us to know? We got the eight of cups. We got the eight of cups. And I think it's interesting because we're entering an eight year. I think that there are always messages in the eights around flow, around finding harmony. You know, coherence is maybe one of the hardest things that we can do in our lives and in our spiritual practice because it's about a truthful energy. It's about does your inside match your outside? Are you only smiling with your teeth? Are you smiling with your whole body? Are you doing the things you say you want to be doing? This is going to be a major, major through line, a major theme of next year that we're all going to be wanting to pay attention to in our lives and in the lives of those who surround us. And I think the Eight of Cups is reminding us that a lot of the time, coherence is emotional. Coherence starts with how we feel about a situation, where we're going, I recently saw this quote that said something to the effect of think about where you want to go and then think about who is going with you. And it's really important to get the first part clear before moving on to the second. So I also want to turn that question on you in terms of you examining how you're feeling, what your coherence looks like, what your emotional, energetic, spiritual coherence looks like, 
and what it might be time to invest in or move away from so that you can experience more coherence more of the time. I know that the times in my life where I was most depressed, where I felt most down, was when I was out of coherence, was when who I thought myself to be and what I did and how I behaved were in opposition or weren't quite lined up. And we can't always get things all the way right, but I do like this reminder from Spirit and the Eight of Cups that's telling us that, and if something doesn't feel right for an extended period of time, then that is your answer. And what can you do to change that? Does it have to start from the inside and move out? Does it have to be outward and then move in? It's probably a bit of both. Our networks, our relationships are so important. And it really always begins with the relationship that we have with ourselves. So that's another reminder to really get the bond of yourself with yourself, coherent, loving, clear, and move from that place as you move forward, move away, move towards, and move with life. I hope this was helpful. Thank you for being here. Have a beautiful solstice, and we will be back soon. Bye for now.